what happened? Everybody got quiet. I just said good morning. That's all I said. Praise God. It's good to see you all here today. We've been waiting for that. Uh, kill the camera. Just for a moment. As the family steps out. <clears throat> I want us to understand something here, okay? It's okay. All right. Take your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians in chapter 6. Thank you, uh, Greg, for... Your assistance. Thank you, Bonnie. <clears throat> First Corinthians chapter 6. You know, we've been dealing over the past few weeks with the Christian biology, our makeup, our nature, how we are, right? Biology is the study of living creatures, living things. And we're alive, and we have not found that out. We're alive. I know Linda's like barely, but I'm here now. I made it. But we're alive today. And in this, we find some things that we, we another part of our makeup, another part of our biology, a sign of a living Christian. It's all in how we handle each other. That's how I handle you, Jason, right? I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't just, you know, come up and pull a beard hair out and think that's okay, can I? You know, Brother Charles, I can't, I can't just take your glasses and run and throw them away and that be okay, right? I have to behave a certain way with you, correct? And in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, let's start in the first verse. I did say 1 Corinthians, right? I did say chapter 6, right? Okay, I just want to make sure that's what I said. I have a history of, you know, being corrected here. In verse 1, does any one of you, when he has a case against his neighbor, dare to go to law before the unrighteous and not before the saints? Let's stop for just a moment. I haven't even gotten into the meat. But I want you to understand this question that Paul is asking. Does any one of you... When he has a case against his neighbor. Oh, that's a key word. When you think of neighbor, what do you think of? 
When you think of neighbor, what do you think of? Friend? Okay. Someone you live next to? The guy next door, okay? The guy next door, okay? Or whoever, right? When any of you, when he has a case against his neighbor. Now, Paul is saying, he's not saying that we don't ever have a case against our neighbor. But he's saying when you have one. And everyone in here has had a case against their neighbor or their neighbor has had a case against them, right? How many of you have ever had someone that has rubbed you the wrong way of treated, or you think has treated you unfairly? Raise your hand. All right, Jimmy's got both. I love the honesty. It's so beautiful to see. I want you to do me a favor. I want you to hold 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Hold that one. And I want you to go to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. I'm waiting. There's still people flipping and looking, staring hard, trying to hold their Bibles in their hands, all this other stuff. Okay, that's all right. Galatians chapter 5. Now I want you to go down to verse 13. For you were called to freedom. Brethren, not only do uh, only do not turn, excuse me, only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Verse 14, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take care that you're not consumed by one another. Wow. Go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1. Does any of you, have, when he has a case against his, the one he should love, that neighbor is the one that you should love. That's the same neighbor. Don't forget that. If anyone has some against your neighbor and you dare to go, to law before the unrighteous and not before the saints. The one you should love, keep in mind, does anyone have a case? You may have a case, but do you dare to take it into the street against the one you claim you love? He called him neighbor. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. He called him neighbor. I love my wife. Do I dare go and tell Liz about our issues? Have I got a case against you? No. Because I know I better not, right? Because I know what kind of chatterbox Liz is, right? <laughs> That's what I... <laughs> the one you claim to love, your neighbor. And do you take it before the unrighteous? And you, you go and you, do you go and seek counsel against that one? You see, this is the one, this is where we can't be, y'all. This is where we can't be. Because, Kim, I love you, and I know you love me, and I cannot, I cannot go before the unrighteous, even though you may have done something to me, I cannot go before the unrighteous. And not come and maybe me, you, Miss Becky need to get together and talk about it. 
because I love you and you love me, right? I love you, Miss Linda. I love you, Bill. I love you, Jr. I love you, Tammy. All of those and all of those that didn't get in, I love you. I love you. <laughs> and verse 2 says, thank you. Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? If the world is judged by you, are you not competent to constitute the smallest law courts? Now, look at this. Do you not know that we will judge angels? How much more matters of this life? So if you have law courts dealing with matters of this life, do you appoint them as judges who are no account in the church? Someone who doesn't even have a role in your life, do you appoint them? Do you, do, what, what do you do? How are you, how are you handling them? You have to keep in mind, if they're not in the church, guess what? They're lost. And we wonder what makes our job so hard. We wonder why it's so hard to tell someone about Jesus. And yet we're, we're this all day long over whatever it may be. Now look at this. I say this to your shame in verse 5. Is it so that there is not among you one wise man who will be able to decide between his brethren? Between his brethren, between those who think alike. Is there not one? But brother goes to law with brother and that before unbelievers. Actually, then it is already a defeat for you that you have lawsuits with one another. Why not rather be wrong? Why not rather be defrauded? Now, we're going to stop there for a moment. Guys, this is as simple as this. I want to talk to you about getting offended. I want to talk to you about getting your feelings hurt. I want to talk to you about causing someone else's feelings to be hurt. This shouldn't be in the church. And this shouldn't be at all in the body that claims love is our motive. This should never be. We get offended day in and day out. We get insulted day in and day out. Do we all have disagreements? Do we have disagreements? How many of you have disagreed with me in the past? Very good. There you go. John, go sit down. It's okay. It's okay. You disagree with me, that's fine, but I am still your brother in Christ, and you are still my brother and sister in Christ. It is okay. It is not worth tainting the name of God for the sake of your feelings, for the sake of your pride, for the sake of whatever may be going on in your life. It is not for that. It's not worth it. But look at verse 6. But brother goes to law with brother, and that before unbelievers. We cannot be so thin-skinned that we can't get over some things. Really. I want you to understand what you get upset, what you allow to, to upset you. I want you to dig deep in your heart at the last time you got offended. Huh? And it was probably just this past week. 
Someone said something. Someone did something. Someone wouldn't listen to you. Someone didn't wasn't paying you any attention, whatever it might be. Let me tell you something. My wife has learned not to get offended when I'm ignoring her. Oh, yeah. All you guys, y'all ain't bold enough to say that you're ignoring your wives, are you? I'll say it. And I'm even recording. Look, Tammy's looking at Jr. You ignore me. Y'all got to be bold enough to get through those things. It's these minuscule, small, minute things that Satan likes to take, the devil likes to take, and he takes them and he manipulates you with them. He'll have you feeling that you're in the right and they wronged you and you it's okay for you to go back and do something about it. He'll have you feeling you better not go say none to them. They're going to get their feelings hurt. Don't offend them. Don't hurt their feelings. Don't do this. It's just like it's just like even preaching a sermon like this about getting offended. Do you think I have to be, I'm nervous about preaching an of, offensive sermon to you? I am okay, I guess I'm not. I'm not nervous about it. Jesus had to say a lot of things. The gospel offends people, doesn't it? The truth, hey, how many of you how many of you were here last week? Uh-huh. I'm going to ask the question. How many of you weren't here last week? Uh-huh. There you go. Joyce raised the hand. She went to confessional. How many of you watched the sermon last week? Ooh. Wow. Here's the whole point. That sermon about assembling together, I couldn't hold back on it. Whether it offended you or not, I, I couldn't. I, you see, we can't afford to take when God is trying to correct us and work in our lives. We cannot afford to take it personal every single time somebody says something to us. You don't know what God and who God is using to correct error in your life. And you need to be willing to listen to it. But instead of listening to it, we immediately take it on ourselves. We get offended. And then next thing you know, we're standing in front of a judge because guess what? You said something to me, and I told you to stay off my property and don't ever come back. And guess what? I don't want you back on my property. If you don't stay, if you don't stay off my property and stay out of my business, we're going to go to court. But we're brothers and sisters in Christ. We should be able to talk about it. No, I'm taking you to court, and I'm taking you to this judge who's an atheist downtown, and he's going to look at us, and he's going to laugh at us, church folks, acting a fool. Mm-hmm. Come on. And I said that, and I meant that. We can't do that. And he says, you're going to do this, and you're going to take it up. And he says, you're already lost. You've already lost that you have lawsuits with one another. Why not rather be wrong? I know this is a familiar scripture, and I know I've preached on it before, but I want you to understand how easily it overtakes you. When you don't willingly accept it, whether you're right or wrong, it's irrelevant to God. It's how you see are seen by others. It's how you are seen by God. And God says, I would rather you be wrong than to sit here and fight over nonsense. Fight over stuff, over hurt feelings. Well, the preacher preached the word of God, and I just didn't like the way, I, way he said it. Yeah, yeah, tough rocks, guys. I mean, you know what? You got to get past that. 
I want you to go to Proverbs chapter 18. Hold 1 Corinthians. Go to Proverbs chapter 18. Proverbs chapter 18. I want you to go there for a moment. Why is Amos up there? That was last week. Okay, we're making progress. That's okay. That's cool. No problem. I want you to look at Proverbs chapter 18 and go to verse 19. Look at this carefully. A brother offended is harder to be one than a strong city. And a contention and contentions are like the bars of a citadel. Now, if you are offended or you are a very contentious person, trying to get into you is like trying to break into jail. It's like trying to break into Fort Knox. Someone who gets offended, they even shut out the word of God because their offense means so much to them. You, have you ever been there? Have you ever been there where you were so mad that you wouldn't even listen to the wisdom of the word of God? You know, that stubbornness that we read about, that willfulness. You, you, you ever been there? Or am I the, yes, you have. Great. Thank you. Or am I the only one that's ever been there? Some of you have. Thank you. Some of you have been, been in arguments this week. And you haven't gone and made it right, even though you were the one that, that caused the wrong. Or you weren't the one that caused it wrong. You were the one that was on the receiving end of the wrong, and you still didn't go back and make it right. Guess what? That's on you. Still, it's on you. But Brother David, I didn't do anything. So, God said, won't you rather be wrong? Wouldn't, you, wouldn't it be better for you to be wrong than to, than to do what you're doing to the kingdom of God? Wouldn't it? Yes or no? You're worried about saving your face while the face of God is being shamed before a lost and dying world. Look at verse 19 again. A brother offended is harder to be one than a strong city. Can you imagine that? Think about the years. Think about the years. Go, think back to World War II. Think back to World War II. You know how many years they were in planning to invade Normandy? You know how many years? It started early on in World War II. It started roughly around 1940, 1941, we entered the war. By 1942, they were already planning to go into Normandy. Two years before, because guess what? It's going to take time to get in there and win that country, to win those cities, to storm those beaches, to get up all the courage and men and equipment and everything else. It's going to take time. Do you understand if you've offended someone, how long it's going to take for you to get back into their lives and that they're willing to receive you? Do you understand that it's going to take time and effort? It wasn't that all those tanks and airplanes and bombs and guns and soldiers just popped up like that when they said, hey, let's go invade Normandy. No, it took years and years of effort and planning. It's going to take years and years of someone who's offended, that you've offended, to get back into their life. But it's work on your part. 
and yet we want the courts to settle our differences. Do you think the judge agreeing with you is worth that person's offense or feelings being hurt? Do you? Well, I won. I got this piece of paper. It's a signed document in a court of law. The judge sided with me. The judge sided with me. You don't have to go far. Chapter 19, verse 11. In Proverbs, a man's discretion makes him slow to anger. And it is, it is his glory to overlook a transgression. What? Now I'm going to ask you another question. And this is a personal question. How many of you are mad at someone right now? How many of you are upset with someone right now? Huh? How many of you feel like you've been hurt by someone else right now? Okay. Guess what? A man's discretion makes him slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook a transgression. Christians learn to get over things. You hear that? Christians get over things. This is another part of your biological makeup. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, when you go back there and you read it, it says you've already been defeated in verse 7 that you have lawsuits one another. That means you haven't gotten over something. You haven't let it go. But it is to your glory to let things go. It is to your glory to let, you know what, I'm going to let that pass. How many times, Jesus, should we forgive them? Seven times? No, seven times 70. Guess what? It is to your glory that you forgive. Why? Because your Father in heaven will do what? Forgive you. It is to your glory not to get offended. It is to your glory not to take offense. Quit taking things personal. It is to your glory to do that. But the very fact that you take it personal and then you take it out there in the world, you take it out there to the lost and dying, you take it into the workplace, you carry it to that family member that is already not in church, not, not assembling with the, other, with the brethren, you take it to him and then expect him to understand you. Guess what? You're more concerned about getting your point across than you are the soul of that person you're talking to. Did I just say that? Did that just happen? Does it happen? And we sit divided. We sit looking chaotic and just crazy because they're up there going, why are they? You know, we hear it all the time. We mentioned it this morning in Sunday school. You know, well, I don't want to go to church with a bunch of those hypocrites. You know, part of the reason is, is, is that very reason. Did really? I don't want to go with those hypocrites because guess what? They got mad at me. Oh, I got mad at them. And then they're going to go in there to the church and act like they're all lovey-dovey, hunky-dory and all this other stuff. And they know they don't like each other. Huh? That's like if she's mad at me. Guess what? She's mad at me. And she don't fake it. If I'm mad at her, guess what? I'm mad at her. 
and I don't fake it. But you know what we committed to do? We're going to get over it. We're going to talk about it. And we're going to, yeah, we're going to get over it. You can still love each other. I'm too old to be walking away. We're going to figure this out one way or the other. We're going to figure it out one way or the other. Now look at this. Look at verse 8. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, on the contrary, you yourselves wrong and defraud. You do this even to your brethren. Your brethren, the one you claim to love. You wrong and defraud. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Guess what? He's equating the same actions of getting offended and offending and taking people to court with the unrighteous. With unrighteousness. He's tying those together. Do you think it's still right? Brother David, that police officer did me wrong. Brother David, you know, my workplace did me wrong. Brother David, no matter what I tell them, they still won't listen to me. Well, you know what? Not everyone is going to listen to you. Accept that. But don't get your feelings hurt over it. Brother David, I just don't like the way he acts. Well, I don't either. I don't like the way you act. But I still love you. And I'm not going to go sue you to get you to act right. What will I do? Huh? You love them, but you do what? You grab them, you bring them in. You bring another brother in Christ in and you say, guess what? We got to get past some things. I'm offended. You hurt my feelings. Okay. I'm sorry I hurt your feelings. I apologize. What did I do wrong? And then if you start listing off a bunch of stuff, then you got a problem. Well, you do this, you do this. Brother David, you preach out of the wrong Bible. You wear the wrong color shoes. Your head is too shiny on Sunday morning. Um, you, you talk too loud. You're always angry. You don't ever do this. You don't ever do that. Now, who has a problem? Oh, I do. Thank you. <laughs> who has the problem? But what, do I, what am I supposed to do? I understand. I'll do my best not to offend you again. I'm not changing my Bible. I'm not dulling down my head. Okay? I, I can't guarantee I won't stop yelling. But I want you to understand, people, we cannot afford. We cannot afford this in these last days. We cannot afford these, this. We cannot afford to foster this, nor can we afford to let our brothers and sisters that are sitting next to us to foster it. Beth, guess what? You need the courage. You need the courage that when you see Charles saying something or hear him saying something, you need the courage to stand up and say, brother, you need to stop. How dare you talk to me about that? I understand. And then when, you, when you're talking about someone, Brother Charles, not that you are, but when you are, you need, to stand, you, need to, you need the courage to say, you're right, I'm wrong. 
instead of taking this thing to a level that it shouldn't even go to. I look around in the church, and there's, there's a little bit of change going on. There's a, little bit of, there's a little bit of shift going on in our personalities and our attitudes. I see it. It's not that it's terrible. But we're almost getting to the point where we're just about nonchalant about the impact that we have, uh, 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 the impact we have on someone else's lives. You know? Brother Ty, you don't know what you may do that may affect me. But I need you aware of it. And, but the only way I can, the only way he may be aware of it is I got to let him know. I can't get offended and then talk to so-and-so about it and then take it before the court because he did something. I can't do that. We've got to start being more aware of where each person is. And then we got to make a conscious effort to improve that relationship. Just like you'll fight in a court of law if somebody hits your car or damages your house or shoots your dog or whatever may happen, that same effort you take, you need to pour that effort into mending the relationships, making them right, admitting you're wrong. I'll admit I'm wrong every day if it'll help draw you closer in a relationship with Christ, if it'll help humble you. Maybe if you see me saying I'm wrong all the time, you'll go, you know what? There's no way one man can be that wrong all the time. Maybe I have an issue. Maybe you'll take ownership. Maybe you will. But it starts with me not getting upset, not taking it to unbelievers, not discussing it in, 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 in corners of the church. But it takes me saying, you know what? I've got an issue. And my issue is whether I'm right or wrong is I got to I got to let this go. I got to get over it. I have to get over it. Or do you not know, in verse nine, that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor infeminate. Excuse, effeminate, sorry, that's, that's a womanly, that's a man behaving womanly, okay? Nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers. That's someone, a reviler is someone who's, who, who's very critical, very critical on others and their opinions or what they, what they believe, what they teach. That's like you being critical about how I teach, Okay, now understand this. Such were some of you. Look at verse 11. Such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. That means, y'all, guess what happened to your lawsuit? Guess what happened to your offense? Guess what happened to you being your hurt feelings? They're washed away. And there's no more place in your life for that. There is no more place in your life for that. None. Zero. You can't even think about it. 
He says, yes, if you have a case against the one you love, if you have a case against your neighbor, someone may have done something and they were completely wrong. But that doesn't mean that you have to carry it any further. You hear what I'm saying? It doesn't mean, yeah, I had to learn something. I, you know, and, okay, y'all can, y'all can make all the jokes you want. I'm going to talk about my car for a moment, though. I've had a few, again, yes, (laughs) I've had a few issues with it over the past month and a half, okay? Yeah, it it, it is. I'm not going to say that because we're recording, that's all I'm going to say, so if you want to get someone, I didn't say that, he did, no, just kidding, but here's where we are, here's where we are. I've had some issues with it, some mechanical issues, I've been having to fix it and all this other stuff. And I got angry for a moment. And I wanted the automaker to do something about it. So I even kept the part and took it up there to him to show him where it was wrong. That went, well, it's man-made. You know what? And as as infuriating as that was, that comment was, well, it's man-made, He was right. I couldn't really get mad about it anymore. But I was this close to taking it to another level. And I had to stop. Matter of fact, when I get home, remind me to throw that part out. I was still holding on to the part just in case they want to see it. I'll prove them wrong. I need to throw it away. You know, and so then just like two days ago, my battery dies. And I'm like, oh. Yeah, it was another teaching moment. And I was like, oh. And I said, okay. I said, it's man-made. Huh? No, I'm going to keep it. I, I, I like it. I like it. And I'm going to keep it. It's getting me from point A to point B sometimes. But anyway, I'm going to keep it. But my whole point was, this time when when the battery died, I had to think, wait a minute. Do I want to go down that road again? And guess what popped into my mind? This very message. Do I want to go and act a monkey and be offended? And seeing the guys that I work, that I deal with at at the dealership, they're Christians. So how should I handle them? As a Christian should, in other words, and behave and react the same way because all that popped out in my mind when the battery died, and I had to tell her, I said, oh, I got to go buy another, ba- I got to go buy a battery. And I wanted to say something to him so bad. I had the car three years, March 1st, and I'm already doing this. And I said, wait a minute. Such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and in the spirit of our God. So no matter how wrong I might have felt about how my car has been treating me, okay, and how I started blaming the people that built my car and I started doing all this, no matter how wrong, guess what I needed to do? I needed to go buy a battery, amen. Because such were some of you. You used to be that way, y'all. 
but you're not today. So some of you are okay right now and you don't have this issue and you're thinking this sermon is okay, but it's not really for me right now. Monday's coming. Two hours is coming. The restaurant is just around the corner. Some, something's happening, okay? Something is going to happen. And you're going to walk into a, a restaurant. And you're going to walk into the doctor's office. You're going to walk into the grocery store. You're going to walk somewhere. You're going to run into a family member that has rubbed you the wrong way. You're going to run into a family member that you think is not where they need to be. And you're going to want to correct them. And you're going to want to do this. And you're going to want to do that. you got to remember you got to remember that you used to be that person. You hear what I'm saying? You got, see, that's what this is. At the end of the day, you used to be that person. The very one that you're mad at, the very one that you're offended with. The, you used to behave the exact same way. And the scripture we're going to close with. And we're actually going to close. Is in James. Chapter five. Verses seven through eleven. In your Christian biology and in your makeup. Here's where you need to be. Chapter five, verse seven. Therefore, be patient, brethren. Until the coming of the Lord, the farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, soil being patient about it until it gets the early and late rains. You too, be patient, strengthen your hearts for the coming of the Lord is near. Do not complain, brethren, against one another so that you yourselves may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing right at the door. In other words, imagine a courtroom. When they say the judge is at the door, that means he's about to walk in. And what the judge is about to do is hear the case and make a determination. You hear what I'm saying? Jesus is the judge. He's right at the door. He's about to walk in. He's going to hear the case, and he's going to make a determination. He's already made the determination. As an example, brethren, of suffering and patience, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We count those blessed who endured. You have heard of the endurance of Job and have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealing, that the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. Now, if that's him, that should be you. You got it? 1 Corinthians chapter 6. From this day forward, should never be a factor again in your life. They burned my house down. They killed your Jesus. They, they, they sacrificed your Jesus. They sacrificed him. They raped my daughter. No, they beat your Jesus. They struck me in the face. No, they spit 
on your Jesus. If he can do that and still willingly go and say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Can't you? They put him on a cross. Yes, he did let them do that. He let them do all of it. But they did it with the intent to do what? They did it to mock him. They did it to do all of these things. If he can do that, then you can endure your house burning down. You can endure the years of pain and suffering. I'm not diminishing your pain and suffering, but God says endure it. They talked about him. They're going to talk about you. They talked. They, and guess what? They're going to condemn you. They're going to do you just like they did 11 of the 12. Excuse me, 10 of the 12. They'll martyr because of the, the way they live their life for Christ. So get over how wronged you've been treated. Get over how wrong you've been treated. Because you ain't been treated like nothing compared to Christ. Please bow your heads. If you're holding bitterness, if you are offended, or if you have offended someone, come on. Altars open for you. It's here. Someone come pray here. If you've been if you've been struggling with how you've been treated at work or wherever. If you've been struggling with how you think things are here in the house of God, Kent, there we go. If you've taken it the wrong way, if you've taken it personal, Jesus was sacrificed so you wouldn't struggle with that. Jesus gave his life so that you, you wouldn't carry the things that you carry today. Jesus was spit upon, was slapped. His beard was pulled. He was struck on his back. He was struck all over his body. He was pierced. All of these things happened so that you wouldn't have to carry that burden and that load. He was offended. And he laid down his life simply because 
He loves you, and he got over the offense. He got over the, he, he got, look, you offend God every day by not obeying, by not living the way you should, by holding on to all of these things. Jesus got over those things and went to the cross anyway. That doesn't mean he's going to accept them now. That means that he's given you a life where you don't have to carry that anymore. Tomorrow, that person is going to get in your face. As Jennifer said, in a few hours, there's going to be someone in your face that is going to do something to offend you, and they're going to profess to be a Christian. You're going to have to get past it. Be patient. Grow in your patience. Father, for each soul that's here today, let this touch their lives. Let it, Lord God, mean something to them today. And may it change their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. As we stand. some work to do. You got some work to do. We're going to receive this offering today. A couple of things real quick. Next, next Sunday, 